Okay, so this morning, talking about Guardians of the Galaxy. I really love doing this. Some of you may think, well, this is kind of weird. Well, I love doing this because this is what Jesus did. Jesus took things that were in people's everyday life, and he used them to teach lessons. He used them to explain things. And so performing or acting like they are a family, okay? Uh, now, this is important, like in the church world, because a lot of us, I think we get, we get the becoming a Christian thing, right? We get that. We understand the forgiveness of sins. We understand Jesus Christ dying for us, writing our name in that book that he's got somewhere, you know, that, you know, that we're, we can not have eternal, eternal death, but have eternal life. So we get this becoming a Christian, but we can't leave it there. That's Guardians of the Galaxy. Well, we got to go to Guardians of the Galaxy too. It's not enough to just become a Christian. We got to be a Christian. You know, he, he, Jesus didn't die so that you could just become a Christian. He wants you to be, not just so you could become something, but to be this and to, to experience all that. Okay, now I, I want to get up on my soapbox here for just a quick second. Okay, this is this doesn't have a lot to do with this particular message, but I, I just got to I just got to point something out here. I don't know if anybody else is noticing this or not, but there are so many movies out right now. The, the summer movies, especially, so many of them. That are, that are dealing with family issues, you know, um, like uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. I mean, it was, it was just several people in that movie had big, serious family issues. And I know it's a fantasy and all that, but they were dealing with family issues. Wonder Woman has got big family issues. And uh, this movie, uh, you know, I'm not going to give anything away, but these people have family issues. And, and I could list the people for you, but they've got a lot of family issues. Now, here's my soapbox part, okay, right here, is that what is the deal here? It's because for decades now, Hollywood has been at the forefront of pretty much tearing down everything about the nuclear family here in America. And now all of a sudden, they're putting out all these movies that say, you need family. You know, and I'm like, yeah, we knew that. You know, why haven't you been working with us in all of this? As you know, they've been, you know, they've been pretty much tearing down family, uh, marriage, and what that means, uh, you know, trying to uh, say that, well, you know, what your parents say isn't very important. You know, you, you just be and do your own thing and everything. And now all of a sudden, they just, they're showing up saying, you know, you guys have, have issues, and a lot of it's because you don't have family. And I'm saying, well, thank God y'all are finally realizing that, you know. So uh, that's my little soapbox there for just a moment, okay. And I don't know, they may cut that out of the, uh, the, the podcast uh, today or something. But that's my little soapbox there is that, yeah, so thankfully, again, this is about the fourth thing in the past couple of months that I've seen where, where our culture is saying, wait a minute, something is wrong with culture. And, and I'm saying, thank God you're finally realizing that. Just hope it isn't too late, right? So let me take you to another quote, uh, and this is from a, a movie critic uh, named Anthony Lane, and he refers to this movie as the most expensive group therapy session in the universe. You know, now, is he talking about the movie, or is he talking about church? I don't know, you know, because the move, movie, what he's saying is all these people have all these problems, and they're working through all these problems in the movie. I, I know, now you're, it sounds like a chick flick, doesn't it, instead of a sci-fi movie. But these people are actually working through a lot of family issues. And so he's saying, you know, it came across to him in some ways as a group therapy session. And you know what? I think that's the way a lot of Christians look at church, as a group therapy session. We show up for a little while, we hear a talk from the pastor, you know, and he kind of just 
dives into some of the stuff that we're all dealing with, you know, and, and you know, it just kind of helps us. And so we all feel a little better and we get a little over it and all of that kind of and go on and go on. And I, I'm going to come back to that in just a few moments, but uh, toward the end of this message, that church is not a group therapy session, okay? You know, Jesus Christ didn't die so you could just feel better about your stuff, okay? He, he died so that you could be free from your stuff. We just sang that. He died so you could be free from it. You're going to have to make the decision. You're going to have to decide, do you want to live in the issues of your past or are you ready to believe God to, to uh, help you build an amazing future? Okay, I, I want you to get this. Was it up there? There you go. Yeah, you need to decide. And, and there's a lot of people, they keep coming to, coming to church every Sunday, you know, and, and they, they still got their stuff. You're still dealing with their stuff. Jesus didn't die so that you could still be in your stuff and just feel better about it. He died so you could be free from it. So I want to read that last part again really slow because I want you to get this. You need to decide if you are going to believe, believe. And, and, and faith, like, like Jeff said last week, faith without works is dead. You know, faith is not just belief, but, but belief goes deeper into faith when we begin to doing something with it. So you've got to decide if you're going to believe and have faith in God. Okay, now we're not talking about you. You've got it all figured out. You've got your plan and, and you know, and your plan worked. Well, it isn't working, isn't it? It, it isn't. It isn't working, is it? You, you know it's not working, and, and, and you're still chasing, a lot of you are still chasing after your plan, following your way. You've kind of eased away from God's way, and you've got to decide. Are you going to stay with those issues of your past? Are you going to decide that, no, something needs to change, so I'm going to believe God to help me. Help. He didn't say, I'm going to believe God. I'm not saying here, you need to believe God to do it for you. That's not what God's doing. He's already done. He's already, he's already died for your sins. He's done a lot for you, but he just wants to help you build. Okay, now, when you see the word build, I don't know what you think about, but when I see build, I'm thinking about building a house. So you know what I'm thinking about? I'm thinking about labor. I'm thinking about sweat. I'm thinking about, and even, even what Christ said when he said, you know, before you start building something, a wise man, he puts pen to paper and he tries to figure out what this thing is going to cost him, okay? So when I'm thinking about building, I'm thinking about all of that. I'm not talking about, you know, uh, oh, we're going to build it. It's just going to happen. It's just going to grow. No, no, no. It doesn't just grow. You Build that you're going to start. You've got to decide if you're going to start believing God to help you build the amazing life future that he has dreamed for you to have. Jeremiah 29, that, uh, that he's going to help you build this life uh, that, because he doesn't, he doesn't have bad plans. He has awesome plans for you. He has amazing plans for you. And, and so you need to decide, are you going to allow him to start helping you build those amazing plans into your life? Okay, so uh, next is my scripture, right? Is that right? Yeah, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16. Because we've all got issues, okay? Even, even, even the, the strongest, most bold, the, the manliest of all the men in here, we've all got issues. But look what God can do with us. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16. God makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Okay, so just like right back to the, the quote from the, 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 the director of, the, of this movie, that God makes it all fit together. He makes us become part of the family. He makes us become a family. He makes it come together. And so all these crazy, weird people sitting here in this room, he makes us all come together and fit together as a family. 
But it doesn't end there in just becoming family. Because the rest of that verse, what does it say? It talks about, it talks about something to do. It's not just about becoming, but it's about being, as each part does its own special work. Okay, four-letter word right there, but we, you know, we don't necessarily like it. But, but it's there. That we've got a work to do, that uh, it helps other parts of the body grow, that we help one another grow, that uh, uh, the whole body is healthy. We, we do our part so the whole body is healthy and, and growing and full, of, and full of love, that we, we don't just become the body, but we have to be the body. You know, a, a body that just comes together and, and, and is, you know, like a physical body that has just come together. It's got all the parts, but none of the parts work, that none of the parts are doing anything. There's no growth. There's nothing. There's no health in it if they aren't working. It's, again, it's the faith with the works. It's all got to be a part of that. Just having the same last name or living at the same address does not make you a family. You know, and that's spiritually as well. And you know that, right? Just because you've got the same life, that doesn't really make you a family. It might make you a family in name, but it doesn't really make you a family. That's spiritually true as well. You know, this is your church. If you're not a visitor today, if this is your church, you, you may, you, you know, you just say, uh, I'm a Christian and I, I'm a member of Church 2911. You've got the name, right? But just because you say that doesn't really make you part of the family. doesn't really make you family. Or, or you may say, yeah, I, I attend Church 2911, and, and, and you know, you may say, I, I attend Church 2911, and, and somebody says, well, where's that at? Well, we meet at the Civic Center, you give them that, so you've got the same address, as the, but just having the name and the address doesn't make us a family. There is stuff to do. You know, that uh, scripture we just read, there, there's, everybody's got, got something to do. You know, okay, imagine it this way. Imagine you know, you show up every night for dinner at your house, you know, but you have no interaction with anybody else the rest of the day, the rest of the week. You, uh, you, you get, pick up your dirty clothes, you take them downstairs, and you lay them by, beside the washing machine, hoping somebody will wash them, and uh, wow, amazingly, they get washed, folded, and put back in your closet, so all you got to do is just start wearing them all over again, you know? And, and imagine if that's who you were, and that's the fit, uh, the, where you fit into the family. You wouldn't really be a part of the family. You wouldn't be a part of the family. You, you'd be a boarder, and maybe if you're not paying rent or anything, you'd be living there for free, so I guess you'd be a squatter or something like that. I don't know. But you know, you really aren't if you aren't doing things to be a part of the family. Same thing is true at church. Come on. I, you know, I, I don't want to be hard here, but I want you to understand where you're losing so much of what you could have in God through the family that is the church. Because if all you do is show up on Sunday, you're just showing up to eat the meals. If all you're doing is bringing your dirty laundry on Sunday for somebody else to pray over and fight over, and help, you know, you're just doing the same thing as, as somebody who just, just shows up for meals at home and, and brings their dirty laundry downstairs. Now listen, at the end of this ser service, the prayer team's going to be up here at the front. They're going to be ready to pray for you. And, and, if, and if you've got needs, we want to pray with you over those needs. We want to help you with that dirty laundry. But you know what? It's, it's got to go beyond that. You know, if you're going to really be whole, if you're going to be fulfilled and all that, it's got to go beyond just the fitting. You've actually got to be part of the family, okay? So, so how do I do it? If it's not this, then what is it? Okay, so let me show you right here. And I'm going to show you from the Guardians of the Galaxy family, okay? The team that has come together, and now they're a family, like Drax said. No, we're not a team. We're a family, you know? And so let me, let me just show you a few things about them. First of all, 
They were a collection of less than perfect oddballs that shouldn't even like each other and their family. Does that sound like anybody else's family? Does that sound like your family, anyone? You know, that there's a, a big collection of oddballs and really you shouldn't even like each other, you know? And that's the way it is in church too. We're all oddballs. I know some of you think that you're, you're, you're normal, but you're normal as somebody else is weird, you, you know? You need to get that. It's, everybody's a little different or whatever. So we're a big collection of oddballs. And, and I know some of you, if you were honest with yourself, you would look at somebody that you've come, become really close to in this church and you would say, there is no reason in this world for me to be close and be a best friend with this person except for the fact that Jesus Christ has saved us and, and put us together in the family of God. We don't like the same things, you know, we don't go to the same places, but there is something that is pulling us together and, and making us connect. There is no other reason except for the fact that God has made you become part of the family, okay? Secondly, they are each one wounded in their own way and alone they are unfulfilled. Every one of us in this room, we've got our own scars and we're each wounded in our own way. And alone, we are unfulfilled. You know, they had to understand that because this was a group of, of, of people that were loners. They, they kind of were doing their own thing, and they came together as a family. The guardians did. You know, same thing with us. You know, you may be a loner at your home, or you may be a loner in the church. But for it to really happen, that's got to change. None have very good social skills, but they work through it. None, none of them have good social skills. Not, not a one of the guardians had good social skills, but they work through it. Okay, again, that's, that's probably like a lot in your family. You, you probably got some people in your family that don't have very good social skills. What do you do? You kick them out? No, you work through it, don't you? You know, sometimes there have to be apologies made or whatever. Sometimes, and, and you just work through it. Same thing in the church. Now, some of you think that you've got awesome social skills, but you may have great social skills for the circles uh, you know, that you are hanging out in or for the family that you grew up in. But somebody else in this room today, they grew up in a different family and the way you do things, the way your family does things probably rubs them raw, you know, is really abrasive and whatever, you know, because you know, if your family's wide open and, 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 you know, worries about tact after the fact, you know, then, then uh, you're probably rubbing other people the wrong way. So you may say, I have awesome social skills, but every one of us deals with, with this. Listen, because I have people tell me, you know, well, you're, you, you know, you have good social skills, Pastor. I have people tell me that, but you know, I've got those things, you know, those memories of when you said the absolute wrong thing, you know, and still when you think about it, even though none of those people are in the room right now, you think about it and you want to crawl under the chair and hide, you know, you just cringe inside. I can't believe I said or did that. We've all got that stuff, okay? So none of us have awesome, perfect social skills, but in families, you work through that. And the guardians, they had to learn for a family to function properly, everyone needs to know where and how they fit. They had to figure out where and how they fit. And it wasn't just about becoming, it was about being. Which this leads me to one of the core values of Church 2911. Everyone has something awesome to do for Jesus. Everyone. How old are you? Don't, you don't have to say it out loud because I don't want to embarrass those that don't want to tell us, but... How, how old are you? You know, are you male or female? Are you in school? Are you working? Are you unemployed? Uh, what, what's, what's your, your tax, you know, uh, rate? Where, where, where are you at? You know, you lower income, middle income, upper income? You know, where are you at? Are you a, an Alabama fan, an Auburn fan? You know, what is it? None of that matters. Whatever you answer to any of that or any other question I could come up with on demographics, Everyone has something awesome to do for Jesus. 
no matter how old you are, no matter how much money you've got or don't have, no matter what, everyone has something awesome to do for Jesus. And let me show it to you here, okay? And this is in uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 6 through 8. In God's grace, he has given us different gifts for doing certain things well, okay? Now, God didn't just give us things to do. He has given us the ability to do certain things well. And each one of us, he's given us different things, okay? So, uh, if God has given you the ability to prophesy, don't do it in a shy way. Out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving, then don't just serve, but serve well. If you are a teacher, don't just teach, but teach well. If you are, uh, if your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. Now, have you ever had anybody that thought they were encouraging you and really they were just depressing you? You know what I mean? You know, so if you think your gift is encouraging, is to encourage people, then be encouraging, okay? Make sure you're doing, that's what he's saying here. It's whatever God's given you to do, do it, and do it right. Um, be, then be encouraging. If it is giving, then give generously. And, and the Word of God tells us in another place that, you know, that we should give with a proper attitude. Don't just give and be upset about it if that's the gift God has given you. And, and let, let me just say here, every one of us are supposed to be givers, Okay. But some of us have been gifted with the ability to give, to either make lots of money so that they can give a lot to, to support missions and, and churches and things, or, or, or maybe to, they just have a gift of fundraising in some other way. And so this is talking about a special gift. Everyone is, is called a gift. And if God has given you leadership ability, then don't just lead, don't just be a boss. Take the responsibility seriously. That's a big word, a big important word with leadership is responsibility. Everybody wants to lead until it's time to take responsibility. And if you don't want responsibility, then you are not a leader, okay? And, and in just a few moments, I'm going to bring you, I'm going to mention someone to you that wanted to lead, but he realized in this movie, he realized he's not. Just a little point there that I'm going to throw. You know, if you don't want the responsibility, then you can't be a leader, okay? That's what leadership is. Take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly, Okay, Wouldn't, isn't that crazy that he has to say, you know, if you have a gift to show kindness, do it gladly. You know, show kindness with kindness, you know. Don't just, you know, it's like, you know, that scripture that says uh, um, that, uh, you know, it, it, do good to your enemies because in doing so you'll heat coals of fire on their head. You know, the old, the old saying goes, you know, the old, old joke that, that, uh, that a guy did a good deed for his neighbor that had wronged him. And so another neighbor said, why did you do that? That guy's been so rude and ugly to you. And he said, well, the Bible says if I do good to him, God will heap coals of fire on his head, and I'm hoping this will burn his brains out. You know, if you have a gift of kindness, do it in a kind manner, okay? So this is what God is saying. Whatever it is you're gifted to do, do it, and do it well, because you weren't just given the task, you were given the ability to do it well. Now, do you see yourself here? Do you see yourself in any of this? And, and, and here, I, I got to point this out also. Most of us aren't one of those things. Most of us are a mix of those, those gifts. It's like, you know, you may be a prophet leader, or you may be a teacher and encourager, those kinds of things. Most of us aren't one of the, I mean, if you are really just one of those things, you are the weirdest person in the room because you are so imbalanced and just in that one area. None of us are that way. We're, we're, mix a mix of those things but we lean heavily on one or two of those things probably okay so do you see do you see yourself in that well maybe not maybe not so let me help you and i'm going to help you by using the
the guardians of the galaxy, okay? I'm going to show you how, how they, because this, you know, this is one of the things that we speakers do. We take things and we, you know, we turn it into stuff. So I'm taking the guardians of the galaxy here to explain to you the spiritual gifts, the motivational gifts that God has given to us, okay? So let's begin with Peter Quill. He is, he is the leader, right? And, uh, well, that's a duh. Well, he, well, we know he's the leader because, you know, he's, he's got the star role of the movie, right? No, that's not the reason he's the leader, because he was a loner, and at some point, especially you see it in this movie, he realizes that if this team, if this family is going to accomplish what it is set out to accomplish, he is going to have to take a, a step back, and he's going to have to take leadership and take the responsibility of the leadership, okay? Again, if you don't want the responsibility, then you're not a leader. Don't be a leader if you don't want the responsibility, because the buck stops here. Wherever the leader is, the buck stops. Okay, secondly, Drax. Now, Drax, to me, has the temperament of a person who has this motivational gift of prophecy. Now, you may, if you know the movie and you know the character, you may be thinking that I'm crazy right here. But let me explain to you what this prophecy gift is like. A prophet is a spiritual warrior. Okay, so now, for those of you who know Drax, Drax is that, okay? Not spiritual, but he's a warrior, right? He's a spiritual warrior. They are going to bat. They are going to bat. And you know what they're going to bat for? The truth. Prophets love the Word of God. That when the Word of God says this, it does not mean this. A prophet looks at the Bible and does not see 50 shades of gray. They see black and white. And, when it's, and, and, look, and all Christians should be that way, but we sometimes miss it a little bit. And we say, well, maybe this means that. And that's when a prophet says, oh, no, no, wait a minute. The Bible says this. Or maybe we begin to say, hey, why don't we do so-and-so? And they say, well, no, no, wait a minute. This, and that's what a prophet is. And so, you know, Drax, he is just so literal, he can't even get a joke sometime in, in, in that first movie, you know. And, and he, does, he doesn't understand humor and sarcasm and irony because he is so literal. That's kind of a lot of the way a prophet is, okay? Now, Gomorrah. Um, and Gomorrah, she begins to be overwhelmed with mercy. Now, you don't see it a lot, and some of you, if you've not seen the movie yet, it happens. She is, she's got a sister that's trying to kill her, that is, that is chasing after her. And I'm not giving away anything in the movie right here. It's a little bitty thing, but it's not giving away anything. You may think I'm going somewhere. Don't, don't go there if you want to see the movie later, okay? But, but uh, her sister's been trying to kill her. All of a sudden, Gamora is overwhelmed with mercy even toward her sister. And you say, well, I don't see that because I see this and this. But here's the thing. Most of us, a lot, at least a lot of us, don't really understand the gifts that are put inside of us. We don't see them. Just like with Gomorrah, that it's all covered up and all this other junk going on. That's us. It's we've got so many past issues, we can't even see what God has called us to do. Because some of you, some of you are sitting there thinking, well, I, I, I just don't know God's given me any ability like this. You, you don't know what I've done. You don't know what, what past I've had. You don't know the scars, all the, all the mistakes that I've made and, and the things that have been done to me. And, and so that, but that's exactly what Gamora had. She was so covered up in that, she couldn't see this gift of mercy that was down in her spirit to be able to look at someone that was trying to kill them and to give them mercy. You know, and, and that, maybe that's some of you also, is you're the one that, that when the rest of us may be, maybe being the prophets, you know, and saying that's wrong, 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 you're the one, no, 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 let's, let's help them and, and rescue them back. And then there's baby Groot. Okay, if you're not a, if you're not a fan of the Guardians, you're saying, a what? A baby what? He's the little bitty tree. You saw him maybe in the, in the video there, okay? A baby Groot, he is both an encourager and a protector, okay? Uh, he is like this he is like this little guy that is, you know, just so, oh, sweet, you know, and all of that. And, and uh, 
You know, they, they realized early in the, in, the, in the making of this second movie, they realized that Baby Groot was going to steal the show, and he did. You know, he's just like that, ah, sweet little character. Until, you know, I know Groot is supposed to be probably male, masculine, or whatever, you know, but, but this quality right here is absolutely a mothering quality. Because it is like encouraging, encouraging, encouraging until somebody comes against the family. And all of a sudden, Groot goes from this sweet little thing to a ninja warrior in just an instant. He goes, out, just like a mom does, you know. That mom, she's right there behind the kids. All of a sudden, somebody attacks the family. All of a sudden, she's putting the lipstick on the pit bull kind of a thing, you know. And she's become that, she's like right in the middle of that. She's become the ninja overnight. And that's, that's kind of a, a dichotomy there of, of people that have that gift. It's like they're the encouragers, but they're protectors in this way. And then we've got uh, Yandu. And Yandu, we learn, is a teacher and a mentor. They, they are the people who are here. And I know if you've seen the movie, you, you, you're probably, or you haven't seen the movie, you might, but you know Yandu, you say, oh, really? In this movie, you see this, okay? You see that he really is a teacher and a mentor. And, and people who are teachers are not just people who sit up in front of a class and talk, but they are people who disciple. They are people who mentor. They are people who want to pour into. And so, you know, that's, that's really what Yandu had become. And, and that's what he was doing. And, and even though we didn't see it, that's what he was doing. And, and so, again, sometimes that's the way we are, is we don't really see that in ourselves until somebody says, you know, you have really been a blessing to me. You have challenged me. You have mentored me. And you're thinking, I didn't, I'm not a mentor. And you don't even realize how you're pouring into people's life. And the last one, we can't leave Rocket out, right? I mean, he's right up here behind me. Can't leave Rocket Raccoon out. And uh, Rocket is, he symbolizes the ninja. I, I, call, I call these two gifts, the giver and the helper, I call them the ninjas. They're the ones who, who are mostly behind the scenes. Now, Rocket, he, you know, and maybe you're having a hard time following. Let me explain right here about Rocket. Rocket had a lot of specialized abilities. He was a marksman sniper. He was um, uh, an excellent aviator. At one point in the movie, he and, and the leader, Peter Quill, they are fighting over who's going to fly the ship, you know, and, and, and Rocket wants to, and so they kind of fight over who's going to, but, you know, Rocket could do a lot of those things, but what I think Rocket realizes is he was too much of a loner, too much of a, uh, going to get this done on my own, you know, I just want to go over here and work behind the scenes to help the team and help the family, and so he began to realize he wasn't, and that's why Peter Quill stepped up in the leadership position. You see, again, uh, givers aren't just a few here or there. All of us are called to give, but some people have specialized gifts to give. Some people have a specialized calling to help. Here's the interesting thing to me. And when you survey, and we've done surveys, especially when we first got started, we did so many surveys helping people learn, you know, really what their, their motivational gifts were that God had put inside of them. You know what you're going to see is you, you, will, you get a group of people together, you will not see 20 leaders and two helpers in that group. God just didn't gift the whole population that way. Because what would happen if you had, 20, you had 22 people in a room and you had 20 of them were leaders and two of them are helpers? What's going to happen? Not much, right? Because all the leaders are going to be arguing over what needs to happen and the two helpers are going to try to be doing something about it while everybody's talking and the two helpers are going to get killed. You know, I mean, they're just going to die from overwork and exertion and everything of, of trying to do it all. God doesn't do it that way. When you get a group of people together, you're going to find just a few leaders, and you're going to find a lot, and you're going to find all these other things, but you're going to find more than anything, you're going to find helpers. You're going to find more helpers. So if you're thinking, well, I'm, I'm just, yeah, exactly. God 
God gifted you that way. You're the kind of person who doesn't want to be up here in the spotlight worried that you're going to, you know, you're, you're going to mispronounce one of those words in the Old Testament that's on the screen, right? Or that you're going to forget a slide or that you're going to miss a note or you're going to forget the words to a song. You, you don't want to be that person. You want to be the person who shows up when nobody, yeah, you do want people to, in a way, kind of acknowledge the fact that you're, you're worth something, but you don't really have to have the accolades. You want to help. You want to make it happen, and you want to just sit back and say, man, that was awesome. Look at what happened, and I was a part of that. There are more of you gifted in that way than there are people to be on the platform or people to be in the spotlight and, and those things to, 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 to risk the, the, the nervousness of all of those things. Because God gifted, because, gifted us that way because we need more and more, more people to actually actually do than, to, you know, because if you got all chief and no engine, nothing's being done, as they say, you're right. If you, if you got more chiefs than Indians, nothing, nothing is getting done. That's the way God's gifted you. Now, do you see yourself on this page? Maybe you didn't see yourself in the scripture, but as we explain it now, we look at it. Do you see yourself there? Find yourself because you have been given, gifted by either, either that scripture in Romans chapter 12 is a lie or you have been gifted with something special to do. Not just a calling, you've been given the gift. So what do you do? You gotta do something with the gift, okay. So I, I, need, I need to hurry here. Hebrews chapter, chapter 10, verse 24. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Let us think of ways. How can I get you to start doing good works? How can I get you to start loving? And love is not just something you feel. Love is choice. Love is something you do. Because you love your spouse, there are things you do. Because you love your kids, there are things you do. Because you love your parents, there are things you do. How can I? Because that's what God's Word says right here. I need to be thinking of ways I can motivate you to love and to do good things. How can I do that? So I'm going to do that right now. I'm going to... I, I, I didn't, I didn't sit around and think, how can I do that? It kind of came to me in a different way. A little over a week ago, I was laying awake one night, and um, I try to not make notes unless I know it's a good thing, but I do make, if I get a, if I get a thought in the middle of the night, I got to write it down because when I get up the next morning, it's probably gone, you know? And so I, I know I have to do that, but I try to only do that when I know I got something from God because I know I start that, and I'm going to be up a couple hours or something. Well, one of those happened a little over a week ago. And I thought it was going to end up being an article. I wrote two paragraphs. I thought it was going to end up being an article. And this week, as I'm finishing up this message, I realized, boom, these two paragraphs fit right here. And um, I want to be very direct with you. I want to be wide open and honest with you right here. And I want to be so careful that I say this exactly like I want to say it, that I want to read it with you on the screen, okay? Now, here's one thing I ask you to do is don't get ahead of me, okay? Because I really want you to hear what I'm saying while we're reading, and don't get ahead of me when I, if I'm talking, okay? So stay with me here. Let's, let's read this together, all right? This is going to be blunt, all right? Somewhere along the, line, along the way, we made the mistake of creating a welfare mentality in the church. Okay? I told you it would be blunt, right? This is blunt and direct. We have created a welfare mentality in the church. Don't read ahead of me. Some of y'all aren't looking at me. You're looking above me. So stay with me, okay? We've created a welfare mentality. What do I mean? Here it is. People no longer work out their salvation, as God's Word says. Okay, now, come to me right here so I can explain this. The Word of God says work out 
your salvation. That does not mean you get to figure out what you want salvation to look like. It's work out. Get it? Work out. You know, I hate that word, right? Those two words. Work out. Don't like it. But that's what he says. Work out your salvation. It takes effort. It doesn't just happen. you got to work out your salvation. And so we've created this welfare mentality where, where people come to church and, and, and they just come to church and they don't work out their salvation anymore. Um, they come to a weekly church service to be sung to, preached at, and prayed over. And most don't leave any different than when they arrived, but they're happier about it. Ouch. Come on. I'm blunt. I, I know I'm in your face right now, but I got a reason to be in your face, okay? Because I'm pastor of this church. I got a reason. I, I'm, I want you to get something right here. Because the church isn't here to do it for you. And the church can't do it for you. My fourth grade teacher used to say she wishes all of us had screw top on, on our skulls that she could just screw off the top of our skull and pour the stuff in and screw it back on and send us home and we'd get it a lot better. Yeah, we would. But that's not the way, this, that's not the way that worked. That's not the way this works. Okay, we have created a welfare mentality where people show up at church and say, okay, feed me. Feed me. And you know what you're doing? You're going home no different, really, than you came in the door. But you're happier about it. Jesus didn't die so you could be happier about the stuff you're dealing with. Come on here. Amen. My Jesus did not die on the cross of Calvary so you could be happier about the abuse that you've had to endure. He did not die on the cross of Calvary so you could be happier about that marriage falling apart at, right in front of you. He did not die on the cross of Calvary so you could just be happier about what you're seeing happen to your kids. Jesus Christ died so you could be free from that, so you could experience what he really wants you to have through his power and through his love. So let me give you the second, second paragraph, right? The purpose of the church is not to dispense blessings or hand out healing. Stop right there. Back to me. Okay, listen. Our purpose here today is not for me to just give you blessings and, and to, to dispense healings and, and pray over you. But listen, the prayer team's going to be here. If you're sick in body, please come. And we're going to pray with you. And we're going to believe that God heals you today. Okay? We're going to do that. But that's not the reason the church is here. That's just a little part of why the church is here. Here's the reason for the church. What we should be receiving, every one of us, what we should be receiving from our local church services, our small groups, and etc., are the tools, the weapons, and the training to build great lives and marriages, to raise great kids, and to fulfill all our God-given potential. That's what the church is for. We're not here. I, I can't give you the blessing that you need. I can't give you the healing that you need. And even if you come today and, and we pray over your need, that's the beginning. It's probably not going to be the end for most of you. you got to then go, because it's not just about becoming. you got to go be. you got to go be the church and in your home. You've got you've to leave this place. When we say the last amen, it's not over. You know, we, we say around here one of the things you've got to do, and you've got to get this. Okay, listen, Christians. If you're a child of God, you've got to get this. You have to own your growth. I can't grow for you. Your, your team coordinator, Justin, the teens, Justin cannot grow for you. He can't make you stronger in the faith of God. 
you know, it, it, your small group leader cannot do it for you. You still have to own your growth. What we are doing right here, right now, being challenged by the pastor, and he's, he's kind of really bringing it home hard today. He's laying it down right on the line for you. What we are doing right now, right here, is vitally important to hear the challenge to be called out by God and to hear not just what I'm saying, but hear what the Holy Spirit is saying into our hearts. This is vitally important. But what is even more important, what's going to be more, most important is what we, when we say the last amen, not just these few hours of the beginning of the week here on Sunday, but what's going to happen in the next 163 hours that we have this week. What you do with the challenge that is being given to you today. What you do with what God has called you to be. Not just that he has called you to become part of the family, but he has called you to be something. He's called you to lead something. He's called you to fit in your place and find and do the things that he's called you to do. And so, you know, Brent mentioned 101 a little while ago. I'm going to tell you this. If this is your church, if this is, and you've never been to 101, I expect to see you next week at two o'clock. Right back here at the Civic Center to be here at 101. Because if this is your church, you need to find the place where you belong. And you don't just need to fit. You need to start being. Don't just become, but be. You need to be. And listen, if this isn't your church, if you're a, if you're a visitor, then I'm going to tell you, I'm, I'm going to say it out to you as strongly as well. You need to talk to your pastor this next week, and you need to say, I'm not called to just become part of a body. I'm called to be something amazing, and I want you to help me do it. You know, and, and maybe there may be some of you here that you've been coming to 2911 for a while and, and you're still trying to decide if this is it or not. Listen, if this is not it, then as humbly as I can and with as much grace as I can, I want to release you to go find the place that you're supposed to be because you are never going to be fulfilled. You are never going to be and you're ne what God intends you to be and you're never going to have that amazing life that he's dreaming until you find the place that you fit that you, so you can become part of the family and you can be what he has called you to be. And so, you know, the, I hadn't said that in a while, but if you've been here for a while, you've heard me say that. You need to find the place. If this isn't the place that cranks your tractor, you need to go find it. And if th but if this is it, you hear me, then you need to get all in. You need to be who God has called you to be. Some of you have taken a step back. Some of you have walked around God's will. You need What God has given you the special gift to be, you need to be. You, some of you need to get your smartphone out right now. Go to, this, go to the church uh, page, church2911.com slash serve, and you need to find a place right now and say, I need, I need to start serving, and here's a place I can serve. Jeff talked to us last week and just said, you know, he was telling his own example of his own story that, you know, there was a lot of things he had to do that weren't what, they weren't the things that he was called to do, but there were things he did just to be busy in the kingdom of God until God gave him the ability to do what it was he was called to do. And some of you need to do that today. Go, go to that page. Or what, you need to find what it is and you need to be. And he, here's, I told you that I've got a reason for being this blunt. Here's the reason. You may have heard us say this. We run the numbers and we know. We run the numbers and we know. If you are not connected to a small group, if you're not doing that thing that you're called to do, to be in God, you are not going to stay in church. We know that. We run the numbers. The people who stay in church are the people who connect in small groups and the people who do something for Jesus because you can't. You can't stay on fire. You can't stay excited. You can't stay, you can't stay in relationship 
with people that you're not connected to. And you can't stay even in good relationship with him if you're not doing the things that he has specially gifted you to do. That's why I'm being so blunt, is because I know, I know if you're not serving and if you're not connecting, you're in a very, very concerning place. I won't say dangerous, but you're in a very, a, a place of concern. You're in a place of concern. So if this is your place, 2911 is your place, get all in. I don't, I don't want to see you walk away from the church one day. I don't want to see you get, get further and further away until you're gone. That's why pastor's being so blunt right now. Okay, and, and I'm sorry, I've gone, I've gone over here right now, but I've gotten really, really, uh, kind of gotten just really uh, emotional about sharing this with you because I see, what, I see where some of you are. Come on, find your place. And, and if you don't know, if you just can't figure out that next step, 476-2911, text. Text 476-2911 and say, I need some help finding out what my next step is to be that because we, we want to help you, okay? Now, can I ask you to do something? Can I ask you to join me at the front? If you're a first-time attender, we like to close around front with a final song and a final prayer. And if you feel comfortable, we'd love to have you join us. We don't do anything strange or weird down here. We just want to sing one last song and pray another prayer and be just before we're dismissed. And we, we just like to be all together doing that. So come join us if you feel like it. One last little thing. Uh, everybody take a step or two toward me so we can get people out of the aisle so that they can feel like they belong down here with us. Belong, that's been a, a word today, but not just becoming and belonging, but being. You gotta be. Okay, let, let me talk a little bit about a universal code, moral code, all right? Um, I don't know if you've ever noticed, but there are some things you don't really have to teach human beings, other human beings, I mean, like, you don't have to go and, you know, you may have to go and teach the Bible, but you, there are some things like morality, next, uh, my last slide there, morality, what is right, putting others first, these are like universal moral codes, we all know them, right, I mean, we know this, and here's, I think here's the ultimate proof, is because when you look at our sci-fi stories, like Guardians of the Galaxy, Star Wars, Star Trek, or just books, you know, that you've read or whatever. When you look at those stories, you know what you see? You see these things. You see these things. And earthlings didn't have to go somewhere and teach those people that. And so even in our fantasies and what we write, we still know that doing the right thing is the right thing. I mean, it's like we're thinking that if there's anybody anywhere, any part of the, of the universe, that they would, would have the same moral code that we do. You know, that, 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 that life doesn't work out unless you do these things, unless you're moral, unless you, you know, it's like we, we can't imagine that there would be a different set of morals for somebody on a different planet. It's like we, we, these things are not just global, not just worldwide, but we would, we would even say they would have to be universal. You know, in this movie, almost everyone, and I'm not going to call the names of the ones that did because I don't want to blow it and somebody, if somebody wants to see the movie later hasn't seen it, but almost every one of them bettered themselves they stepped up in some way they became more of a hero more of a good person and i'm trying to trying to make a blanket blanket words here and the way they did it is that last thing right there is putting others first you see because when you have a welfare mentality you show up and say gimme 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 
and you think, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm the one hurting, I'm the one in need, so you got to help me, you know, because that's all I, you got to help me. But Jesus said that it's the other way around. He said, you know, all these things that you're worried about that you don't have, he said, seek my kingdom first. Worry about my stuff. Do what it is that I, you know, that special gift that you've been given, operate in that special gift to be kind, to be merciful, to teach, or whatever it is, or, or to help. Operate in that. He says, you do what my kingdom needs, and I'll take care of all those other things. That's what Jesus said. That's what he said. He said, seek first the kingdom of God and my righteousness, and all these other things will be added to you. That's what he said. So he said, you worry about doing what I've gifted you to do. Stop worrying about yourself. Stop having a welfare mentality to come in here and it's all about you on Sunday. When we say amen in just a few moments, the next 163 hours of this week, you need to be thinking about what you can do to build an awesome life and how, it, how it, it's going it's to start right there with putting others first.